Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. Get ready for your life to be changed by today's message. I must move into this word immediately because I don't know what God is going to do. You might be seated. How many of you know the anointing breaks the yoke? One of the things I love about this house, and thank you for stopping by that table. Tomorrow will be 17 years since we, the morning of 17 years ago on October the 26th, 2003, we walked up the steps of the Great Wall of China, and by that evening, we were walking up the steps of an orphanage, a government building, and as we walked up those steps, I would hold my daughter for the very first time. And one of the things, so we call tomorrow gotcha day. It's a big day for our family, gotcha. And my daughter, who was nine months old, but we have launched a house that we're building in Moldova because Abby said the first house that she builds, she wants it to be to rescue girls. And so we're in the midst of that. So everything you buy, in fact, everything that comes in the offering, every dime that comes in the offering will be going to this because I've said to the Lord, I will not, we will fast offerings until this is taken care of because we're building a house in Moldova. So you can stop at the table, all the books, the, 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 the restore the roar, the brand new book is back there. The, the, uh, the glory has come a devotional where I write about it's for Christmas. It's a, uh, the first altar call in the new Testament was when the angels said, shepherds go worship. And until the shepherds go worship, we will not find him. And so all of that is on the table. Please stop back by there. Karen sends her love. Grab your Bibles. This is a divine moment. An appointed time. A Kairos moment. A somewhere between amen and there it is. And what's going to happen today is in a moment, I'm going to describe for a few minutes, three spirits that are standing lined up with demonic forces behind them. And we are preparing in America and around the world for an epic battle. Much of the virus that we've experienced is a precept for what is coming. We watched as in three days time, the church was shut down in America and no one said anything, but they put their mask on and they shut up. What I'm going to say today is politically incorrect. I get invited to a lot of places once. But your pastor has the ability to get my spiritual metabolism in fat burn. One of the words for the anointing, Mashiach or Shemin, means fat. When I get on the phone with pastor, I kick into fat burn. I walk around my house and it makes my family so mad because I just keep walking as we talk. Anybody else like that? By the way, my beautiful gift from heaven, Karen, sends you greetings today. My beautiful daughter, Abby, sends you greetings. Our family loves this house and we love these people. You're the real deal. You are the real deal. Very few people in my life that I can count on one hand that at any given moment, if he, they, he calls and says, I need you, I am there. 
That's who we are. We are covenant. Thank you for trusting me today. Grab your Bibles if you would. Because I have to share a message simply titled, Who's at Your Door? I touched on this a little bit in our book, Rebuilding the Altar, this particular story. And I talked a little bit about it, Karen and I did, in our book, Restore the Roar. Which, by the way, we had no idea when we wrote that and it came out in September that there was a pandemic coming. How the breath of God is what defeats fear because this disease that came, came after the breath. In Job 33 verse 4 says the spirit of God made me uh, but the breath of God gives me life. And so the breath was literally choked out of a nation in three days times. We shut down by a disease that came from Asia which is all biblical. Everything that's happening is biblical. But sometimes we're so caught up in listening to the secular voices we don't realize it. We just sit down, shut up and be quiet. That's exactly how Hitler overtook Germany. And if you ever read the manifesto of the Nazis, shut down the altars, preach nothing but grace, don't talk about sin, honor the government. It's a Nazi manifesto. I'm not going after the government. I love our nation. But see, you have to understand, I'm preaching about who's at your door because what I loved is when you stood up and said, no, you kept fighting. Georgia kept fighting. Not necessarily against Alabama in the game, but that's another thing. Oh, y'all knew it was coming. Just take it. Just take it today. Take it. You'll get another chance. But what you have to understand, for those who didn't understand, I was talking about football. God's game. But anyway. In just a moment, I'm going to take you on a journey, but I want you to understand, I'm not here to talk about America, even though we are in an epic battle, and some of you are so caught up in political parties, which aren't in the Bible. It doesn't talk about donkeys and elephants, it talks about lambs. And so what you have to understand, this isn't about any of that kind of stuff. So you're not voting for a party. If you're caught up in a party, you've been tattooed by lies on both sides. But what you've got to be caught up in is biblical values. What does God God say so I will never tell you how to vote that is your right but my right bows at his cross and what you have to understand is when we wrote the book restore the roar we had no idea that all of a sudden this pandemic would come and fear would come and many of us and God had spoken to me and I wrote it on a whiteboard in our office be seen but not unseen be seen but not unseen I didn't understand it I didn't know that it would lead to zooms that literally in the last three weeks I've spoke to several million whether it's Africa or India or with Jackson Sinyanga or other leaders all around the world we've preached more online and more lives have been touched because what the enemy meant for bad God says fine you want to shut the doors of the church I'll open the airwaves now the Lord told me to do a couple of things when I came in here and I don't know what time we're going to get out because I don't care but you have to understand the Lord said two things when I walked in the door he said invite angels to stand guard around the building so angels encamp around this place and he said watch because my spirit is going to move in super he said take a mental picture I said Lord you want me to get my phone out and take a selfie of the crowd he said no take a mental picture because you're going to look at moms and dads and young people and grandparents I'm a grandfather and you're 
going to see their face change in the middle of this sermon as I reach up and tear off the lies and the scales the enemy has put over them of fear and discontentment. And God says there will be an outbreak today. Somebody stand on your feet and give him a praise. Give him a real praise. Give him a shout. I am ticked off today. I'm angry, but a holy angry. Jesus, or, or Paul said, be angry, but sin not. And you know that we started preaching about this. And you have to understand one year ago in September, when we launched the book, Restore the Roar, it was 5780. The 5780 is the Hebrew calendar. It starts at Rosh Hashanah. And the number 80 means to shout, pray, roar. But on September 29th of this year, just last month, a month and a half ago, or, or less than a month ago, you have to understand it moved into 5781 is the Hebrew calendar year, the Shin year, which literally means, doesn't just mean pray, shout, roar, it means to bear your teeth to scare the enemy. The entire next decade on the Hebrew calendar is about roaring, declaring, praying out loud, speaking it. For those of you that are quiet and you say, well, I was raised just to pray to myself, you're going to hate heaven. Because the Bible says in Psalms 34 verse 17, yet when holy lovers of God cry out to him with all their hearts, the Lord will hear them and come to rescue them from all of their troubles. Do you understand that we are on the eve of an epic battle? And I'm not just talking about elections. It's bigger than that. There's a global coming together. There's a global war that is about to take place. And why would you say something like that? You're scaring us, Pat. I'm talking about a spiritual battle. Many times it ends up as a physical war, but you have to understand we are at a crossroads and as Amos chapter three, verse eight says, the lion has roared, who will not fear the sovereign Lord has spoken, who can but prophesy. We know that first Peter five, eight, the devil prowls around like a lion. We know that, that, that God's word says the wicked flee for no reason, but the righteous are as bold as somebody help me out as lions. But I've come to declare something in this place. Let's reduce it down. Let's go from a global vision to a, to a, to, to a world vision down, down from a universe down to uh, America, down to Georgia, down to your street, down to your house, because I want to preach about your house. The first church in the Bible was in a garden. It was a house and the enemy got him kicked out. But what you have to understand, God says there are homes in this place that are about to awaken. 
And the Bible says in Psalms chapter 5, verse 3, At each and every sunrise you will hear my voice as I prepare my sacrifice of prayer to you. Every morning I lay out the pieces of my life on the altar and wait for your fire to fall upon it. For some of you that have been walking through some things, you need to realize that it's very tough for you. And it's what T.L. Osborne said, physical eyesight can blind spiritual vision. You cannot see God at work. But there's a battle raging for the soul of this nation. Several years ago, I wrote an article called The Recipe of a Fallen Nation. And, and let me read some of the quotes from that real quick, if you've got them right there. But many wonder what has happened to our nation. It's simple. We've devalued life, turned Christianity into a voting block, and persecuted the truth. Our nation didn't change overnight. It changed when holiness became odd, and much of the church decided it would be offensive to declare truth. So the recipe of a fallen nation legalizing perversion, outlawing holiness, the desolation of values, and the criminalization of distinction. That has all happened in the last six months. In California, they've made it illegal to praise. You might spread your disease. I'm watching as it looks like Monsters, Inc. and Hazmat units every Sunday when people get done with a service. We come in. We spray down the building because of an invisible virus. And yet our people leave full with a sickness called sin because we're not willing to say enough's enough. You've got to go. You got to cough that thing out. Somebody help me. <coughs> The compass of a nation is the church of Jesus. We know that. So what did the enemy do? He removed the magnet. So the compass just, just spins. The compass is destroyed when it's demagnetized by removing the drawing power of the cross. So we did wonderful things. We said, we'll have grocery lines. We'll put bags in your car. We'll give you masks. We'll sanitize your children's hands. But God is saying, that's all wonderful. And that's part of what the church is called to do. I believe that with all my heart. We're called to serve. So please get my heart right. But it's about getting back to believing in the supernatural again. Bring up the rest of that for me, Jordan. And you have to understand the confused look on the face of a nation can be understood in the reflection in its eyes as it now looks upon a land that has removed truth. Dare we say to our kids, our nation was destroyed because we whom had a voice decided the price to speak was more costly than their freedom. We must wake ourselves up or somebody else will take our place, bear our cross, and thereby rob us of our crown. General Booth said that. And then I love Proverbs. It says, God devotion makes a country strong. God avoidance leaves people weak. That was just a little commercial. But see, I am learning that God is actually waking up those that he has been waiting to wake up. What do I mean by that? I'm seeing some still walk in slumber, still walk around in a, this, this, this slumber. But there are others that are suddenly waking up and it's because they had an ear to hear the voice of the Lord and not just the voice of the media. And I'm watching as God is raising up the nobodies. And I'm going to preach on that tonight, so i got to be careful. But you have to understand, in fact, get every teenager in the county here tonight. Every young person, every college student, get them here tonight because we're going to anoint those that God is raising up for this moment. But we got 
got to go to another place. But you have to understand, God will suddenly arouse you from your normal. Oftentimes, he waits until you're close to nodding off, and he knocks on the door. You know what I've talked about for, or you know what I'm talking about for six months. You binge watched everything you can find on Hulu, Netflix, and Amazon Prime. You've watched every series, and it's like, we can just watch another one. Let's just watch another one. Who needs to go to bed? We have no life now. We've been locked down by the government. But God is saying, I'm looking for those that will restore their houses to praise again. It's Song of Solomon. After this, I let my devotion slumber, but my heart for him stayed awake. It means you got off course. You ain't pray over your food anymore. That's silly. We don't speak life. We don't know our kids anymore because we're all in the same house. And we've missed out on revival in the home. After this, I let my devotion slumber, but my heart stayed awake. That means you're not done. That means he's, I had a dream. Oh my goodness, I have a sleep disorder called Revelation. I'm having more dreams right now and it's messing with me. I dreamed of my beloved. He was coming to me in the darkness of the night. The melody of a man I love awakened me. I heard his knock at my heart's door as he pleaded with me, arise. Will you receive me this dark night? And I just want to say this to you. The knock at your door of your heart is that of a wounded Savior desperately trying to find a bride that is awakened to his presence and ready for him to be the head of the house again. Somebody lift your hands and pray in the Holy Ghost. And I've come to tell this house, this is just the beginning of what God has got coming. I don't know what it is, and I dare not try to precept it or put it in my little weird calendar or my little outlook. But God is up to something here at this house. This house is an open window over an open heaven. I heard him, and I leaned over to Pastor Jason, and I heard the Lord preaching my sermon to me. And he kept saying, you left that out. You left that out. I'm grabbing my notes. I ain't that only happens in an open heaven. I'm standing right down here, Pastor Luke, and all of a sudden, he's just like, you left that out. Why? and you put that in there and I'm going okay Lord we might be here till this evening and he said that's fine but somebody say wake up and get angry how many of y'all wake up mad I've got a grandson you'll see him playing for Alabama but anyway it's a whole nother thing but I've got two little grandsons, Anderson and Jackson. They are crazy. They are out of control. They can destroy your house when you go pick up a piece of peanut butter. I'm talking about you'll walk through, you'll go, I thought we fixed it. Mm. They're crazy. One wakes up well, the other one doesn't. One wakes up ready to change the other, change the world, and, and the other one wakes up mad. I mean, if you wake him up, he wakes up like, why do you dare cross that line? One, you can say, you ready to go change the world? Let's go. The other one's like, he's three. Where's my coffee? <laughs> I try to give him five hours, but I get in trouble anyway. That's a whole other thing. But he's a, hey, do you ever just wake up? I need you to wake up angry this morning. 
I need you to reach up and peel off the, the, the mask that some of you have been wearing, listening to every news organization that gets paid to make you scared and keep you in line. Don't buck the system. Don't come against us. Don't tell, don't tell me you're going to go to church, but you can go march in the streets. See, there's a difference that's going on right here. And the Bible says, and say, I'm, I'm probably going to make you mad, and I, I, I'm good at that. But 2 Kings chapter 4, let's go there. For, I got to hurry. I got to hurry because I want to get to something else. But 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. Now we all know who Elisha is, right? We know that in the Old Testament you have Elijah and you have Elisha. We know that it's John the Baptist and Jesus of the Old Testament. What do you mean? Elijah's name means judgment. Elisha's name means salvation. John the Baptist came and declared the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He preached judgment. Jesus brought salvation. So you have to realize this. We know that Elijah was the prophet that, that when he built the altars. We know that, that he raised up Elisha. He laid his mantle on him. We know that Elisha was the number two man until he became the number one man. But is his his mentors being raptured into the heavens and you'll see him again if you miss the rapture it'll be on c-span but anyway because he'll probably come back and die because everyone's appointed to die and two to, anyway it's two martyrs but revelation but the bible says that all he gets to see his mentor raptured with the chariots of israel but as he's going up he says give me a double portion we know that Elijah did eight miracles. Elisha did 16 miracles. But we also know Elisha's greatest failure was he didn't pass it on. Because if they had kept passing this on, we'd have miracles happening by the millions every day. But he got offended as an assistant. But the wife of a man, the Bible says, from the company of the prophets, cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor, everybody say creditor. Anybody ever gotten those creditor phone calls? They'll drive you crazy. In the early days of our marriage, before we learned how to do finances, we got those calls. But the creditor was knocking. Who is the creditor? They're coming to take my inheritance. They're coming to take my seed. They're coming to take my boys as slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? What is in your home that will say, Satan, you can't walk through my front door, take my marriage, take my babies, take my business? What do you have hidden in your house that rebukes the enemy? Your servant has nothing, she said, except a small jar of anointing. Somebody shout, the anointing breaks the yoke. See, you have to know the story. You have to know the story. The Bible says the woman's husband, a friend of the prophets. A lot of people don't know who this is, and maybe you've never gone deep into it, because it's, it's kind of one of the mysteries of the Old Testament. Who was this woman? Who was her husband? We, you have to go deep. You have to start studying it. You've got to figure it out, because many do not realize that her husband was most likely a man by the name of Obadiah, a fair-haired prophet who literally his very name means one who embarrasses others others because he walks in the holy 
That's what I say all the time. You're called to be a mobile upper room. When you walk into a classroom, when you walk into the workplace, demons ought to be diving out windows. You should bring change. It happens to us all the time at our house. We just bought a new place in Texas. We're renovating this new house. People have been working in our home over and over and over. People have walked into our house and they've stopped and said, what is it that I feel in your house? What is that? Well, I'll tell you what it is. The very first thing we did when we bought the new house was we took the first piece of furniture in was the altar and we restored presence and we keep worship going and they walk in and they go what is it about your house they'll say to me I've been at, at going through stuff but I feel something in your home somebody better understand that you change the atmosphere and the Bible speaks of a man named Obadiah who worked in the courts of Ahab and Jezebel and you have to understand he was a spy for God he was a godly man and the Bible says that he in fact you can look at first Kings chapter 18 so Elijah went to present himself to Ahab and there was a severe famine in Samaria and Ahab called Obadiah who was in charge of his house now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly for it was while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hidden them 50 to a cave and then fed them. So you have to understand, a prophet protector has died. And when he died, because he had used all of his money to protect the prophets hidden in the cave, working for Ahab and Jezebel, this man dies and leaves his family with nothing except... The anointing. And now they're banging on the door. Because while Elijah was rebuilding the altar, Obadiah was protecting the anointing. And this powerful act does not go unnoticed. How many of you know God's got a good memory? Are you with me so far? Some of you don't even realize it. But your grandmother who's already in heaven right now, her prayers are going to meet you tomorrow morning. So you don't understand. There are times where you, he, we live in today, but he is in yesterday, today, and forever. He straddles our today. That's why he was crucified between two thieves, yesterday and tomorrow. He's in my today. But he is the same yesterday, today, and forever so you have to understand prayers that were prayed 50 40 years ago by my mama who went to heaven a few months ago are now meeting me tomorrow morning I don't understand it but it comes when I need it oh you're not getting this yet so all of a sudden God has a memory but can I be honest with you I am ticked off at the enemy right now because we are one generation away from the extinction of Pentecost because they've seen us speak in tongues and talk trash on Saturday. Cuss at the kicker. Especially if you're an Alabama fan anyway. But see, you have to understand. Paul said in Ephesians 4 verse 26, be angry and sin not. He says, it's okay to get ticked. You take your little sissified meekness where you run around, I don't want to offend anybody, you know, we're just in here to love everybody. No! 
you rise up with a holy fire and you say let me tell you something I ain't gonna let a pimp a drug dealer an addict I'm not gonna let someone full of perversion walk in my front yard and if I won't allow it why do I allow the spirits come through my television and there's a moment where you say I've had enough I am shifting the way I think I see blinders falling off this room I see people's eyesight changing I see literally you're gonna start seeing things different by tomorrow give him a shout across this room and I'm so glad I'm on central time still can I just say something to you we're living in a day and age where nice messages and sweet little little services simply allow the demons to relax and make fodder of God's people we must become the voices of truth in the land of the saltless church and the wandering saint Reese Howe, who began to pray, uh, his intercessor college began to pray against Hitler in Wales, the Bible college. That's where Bunky went to Bible college. That great Bible college that's still, still there today, a good friend of mine now has it. They have an altar every 12 feet. The Reese Howell Intercessor College prayed during World War II because Hitler was about to invade, and well, he had already invaded, but already take, he was about to take over England and Wales, and they began to pray, and God said, pray for 30 days and watch what I do for 24 hours a day for 30 days. They began to pray against that, that demonic man and his forces, and at the end of 30 days, D-Day, took place which turned the tide of the war but his intercessor made this statement the intercessor of the great intercessor said until there's a conviction of need there will never be a desire for change is anybody in this room a little bit ticked off what happened to us when my son was in high school being recruited to play football and all those places and some of you heard me tell the story and one morning he's a senior in high school and, and we're eating breakfast and and all of a sudden Nate goes dad somebody's on the the back porch Abby is in second grade she goes dad somebody's on the back porch Karen goes Pat somebody's on the back porch I run out there I'm ready to fight I'm a redneck I'm always ready to fight I mean I even take off my shirt early because mama said don't rip it and so I, I start to run out there I mean I'm like I'm throw I'm ready to go somebody has broke into my backyard and I get out there they had seen because when I turned and looked I saw it as well a hooded man standing like this in our back porch and when I ran out there it was gone and God said build me an altar the enemy's at your front door and he wants your seat and we had to go to war your perfect little Christian home we had to go to war for my son we won not only to lead the largest youth movement in America but he's reinventing it also in Dallas and he's getting ready to run for Congress why we don't play we don't play we don't play in our family but i want to ask you where's the greater works we just prayed for little nash nash is going to be healed but where's the greater works where's the people that will hear a petition and not only just say lord in jesus name touch him but they'll get in the car and ride over there and pour the oil on their hands and start massaging that body and say in jesus name be restored be healed you got a destiny that's going to change somebody help me preach Where's the greater works of John 14 verse 12? I truly, very, very, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do greater 
Here's Jesus taking a back seat. He says, hey, by the way, you're going to be better than me. That's what he said. You'll do greater things. Because the gospel of relevance and ego-inflated grace-laced messages have never produced anything but a confused bride who demands to be entertained while Jesus is screaming, enter in and find rest. Where is that demonstration of power that Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 2, 4? Leonard Ravenhill said the only reason we don't have revival is because we're willing to live without it. Can I preach this for a second? Write this down. The creditor's at the front door. The creditor's at the front door. He's here. I cannot even begin to tell you the palpitations that are happening in the spirit realm and the heart of God right now. What is happening? God is saying, my people, wake up. My people, wake up. My people, wake up. You, you, let me, and let me just make a very strong statement. You'll hear me say it more tonight. This disease that hit America, who does it not kill? Children. Who does it take out? The ones that came beginning at the age of voting rights in 1972. It isn't that God sent a plague. It's just that God said, fine. If nine states are going to say it's okay to kill babies, I'll tell you what, I'm going to remove the, the blessing. Come on in. Those that are 65 who started voting in 1972, Roe v. Wade. I probably offended so many people early. But it's not deliberate. God said, fine, you take the babies. This disease won't take the babies. And the creditor's at the front door, and I got to preach this for the next couple of minutes. And the Bible says the creditors come to the door. They're banging on the door, and we're saying, give us your kids, your boys. The word creditor in the Hebrew there is nasha, and it literally means extortioner. Extortion means I'm going to hold your past against you. Extortion means you do what I tell you to do or I'm going to do this. It is demonic bribery it says you have no right to tell your kids to get their tails out of bed and get to church because you live like the devil at their age it's an extortioning spirit it's a spirit that says you have no right to ask them to walk in holiness because you've just now discovered it it's an extortionist you have no right to lay hands on them because what was just on your tv 10 minutes ago gave them permission to go out and do that you're not getting this. I'm not speaking condemnation today. I promise. I give you my word. I've come with a word from God, a download from heaven. He said two things. Angels will be around this building and my spirit will begin to move in and out of this crowd. And I will be, as I'm walking by them, tearing off masks, pulling off masks, pulling off things that have been settled on them, pulling off lying spirits that have settled on them, demonic tentacles that are around their neck. I know this is a weird sermon. I'll probably get attacked online for it, but I'm good with it because if culture can cancel me I'm fine with it because I've spent my life canceling culture 
I've spent my life canceling culture. Now they think they can cancel what we have to say. Let me tell you something. There is a moment, mom and dad, grandparents, aunties, uncles, those that have been put in charge of a generation to wake up and realize John 10, 10, the thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came to give you, Jesus said, Parisos, life abundantly, more than you can imagine, think, or listen, what you have to understand. When you lose your purpose, you embrace passivity. And in our exhaustion to survive, we have no power to revive. And God is saying enough is enough. We become like Samson in Judges chapter 16, the great judge that God had assigned because this was the, the age before the prophets. And he walked out and the Bible says he shook himself, but he did not realize God had departed. And that is the American church. And God is saying either you get your vision back and either you quit laying in the lap of Delilah that whispers how great you are, or you rise up with a holy fire and become the one that restores the very gates of Israel. Somebody help me preach because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12 leave your house unguarded and the enemy will come back seven times stronger and the mundane can be the seductress of the supernatural we've just been listening we should I get mad at the governor he's opening beauty parlors would you just get your focus I ain't worried about getting my hair cut. Amen. There ain't enough up there to mess with. I'm worried about can I come in and get trimmed up by the Holy Ghost because the very term for the Holy Spirit is one who cuts away. That's what the word comforter means. One who cuts away. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a commercial for a second if you don't mind. A commercial, a spiritual commercial that I added to my notes this morning. Early, early, early. Can I tell you, just as we have Father, Son, and Holy Scripture, there is a, and, oh, excuse me, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that is backed up by the Scripture, the resume of God. Do you understand? If the enemy always tries to mirror everything God does, and I believe that there is just like we'll see the false prophet and the antichrist and the one that walks beside them in the, in the last days, you have to understand there's always been unholy trinities. And I've seen it rise up and I saw it in a prophetic vision where I saw three demonic forces lined up and as they were standing there, I wondered what they were and I could see these forces behind them. And I said, Lord, what is that? And on this side, I saw the righteous with their arms holding them off, protecting the lives of children. And I said, Lord, what is that? And the Lord began to speak to my spirit. He said, it's the unholy trinity at work. standing at the door of our nation and it's been here a long time but it's already beginning to not even care who sees it anymore because it is in a game playing moment it's first peter 4 verse 12 friends when life gets really difficult don't jump the conclusion that god isn't on the job instead be glad that you're in the very thick of christ of what christ experienced this is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner so even though this is happening god says i'm coming but the bible says in first timothy 4 1 the spirit clearly says that you have to understand that there will be demons, there will be false theology that is taught, and it says this, the Spirit clearly says that in latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. That's what the Bible says. That's happening right now in America. What started as a deception in the garden when the snake said in Genesis 3 verse 1, you know better than God has never stopped. 
and some of us can no longer hear the voice of God because we're hearing the whispers of the enemy. But Matthew 10, 27 says, what I whispered to you in the dark, you'll proclaim from the rooftops. What are you talking about? There are three voices that are loose in the nation right now. Can I tell you what they are? And I'll come back to the sermon. And these voices will interrupt your destiny and they will stop everything God has planned for you. And they have locked arms and they are fighting and it's three demonic powers. It's an unholy trinity that has happened. What do you mean? It's Judges chapter 8. Remember Judges chapter 8? The Bible says that even though Gideon and his men were pursuing, they were exhausted. It's Daniel. In the last days, the enemy will wear you out. That's the promise. That's why you're tired on Sunday and not Saturday. But the Bible even goes on to say that Jesus in the New Testament said in Matthew 9 verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. What are the three demonic forces that I see at work that are standing at the front doors of homes? And, and I love, and, and, and they have an army behind them, minions. And many times principalities flow through, flow through personalities. It's just what you open the door for, to enter into your vessel. Because you are a vessel that God created. Now, what you put in it, it's up to you. But it's Matthew chapter 10, verse 25. It says, it is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub or Satan, how much more the members of his household? So if they have invited God, the demonic forces into their life, they are so much more like him. Can I, can I share this first? I know this is different. But I want you to understand, I was telling pastor one day on the phone, I said, this is what is happening right now. Each one is making their mark. What are the three spirits? Number one, Jezebel spirit. It's a manipulating spirit. The spirit of lust, power, and deception. What did Jezebel do? She killed the anointed. Her job was to take out the anointed. Quiet the voices of the anointed, and there is no compass in America. Tell them, don't preach truth, you'll offend people. Tell them it's all about how many buildings you can compile and pull together. Well, I want to take you to the Philippines where they worship in floodwaters. It's a demonic spirit. It's active in government. It's active in the church. It is a spirit that loves to dangle people like a puppet master. It's a spirit that whispers. It's what happens when she said to her husband about Nabal's vineyard. And you cannot have a Jezebel without a wimpy man behind her, beside her. Called it Ahab. And Jezebel is not always a woman. But you need to know about Jezebel. She's a liar. She's a manipulator. She doesn't like the stage. She doesn't like to be seen. She loves to whisper. She's deep state. She just moves things. She makes things happen. But you have to understand what happened to Jezebel. When the people got sick of it, they overthrew her. Now, we know John the Revelator says in Revelation chapter 2, we know that she is still with us. She manipulates you. She seduces you. She, she makes you think it's okay that to, to post. I'm just going to say it like this. You can post a picture half naked and put a scripture under it. Because you're eating of the world, not of God. She'll tell you it's okay to, to go out and party as long as you praise on Sunday. 
We don't talk about holiness anymore because it's considered a dirty word in a day and age where, where sin seems strange and, and righteousness celebrate or uh, sin or righteousness is strange and sin is celebrated. You have to understand God is saying, I'm looking for a people that'll stand up and say, wow, what happened to me? I remember, you know, all that stuff that mom and dad, some of it was religion. Some of it was weird. I mean, we used to go to the movies and if we went to the movies. We had to drive two hours just in case any board members were following us. Amen. But you have to understand. All the pastors say amen. And some of that was, 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 was not right. But you have to understand, there was some of that when you go, Mama used to say. There was a reason Mama used to say, because she had a whisper. But you need to understand the three spirits that have locked arms is number one, Jezebel. And I don't have time to get into her whole resume because she ain't worth it personally just to give her a commercial. But you have to understand. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, casting down. What happened to her? She was cast down. You have to throw that thing down. You have to say, wait a minute, that's not right. That's not right. That's not right. I, 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 I've got to get rid of that casting down all vain imaginations, arguments that exalts itself against God, taking captive every thought. You have to realize that the way that Jezebel is destroyed is she was thrown down. Remember what happened to her? She gets thrown out of the tower by the eunuchs. The dogs came to eat her. But the Bible says the dogs would not even eat the palms of her hand, the sole of her feet, or her skull, because even a dog would not eat what you won't worship with. Then there's a second spirit that's out there. I'm just giving you a commercial for a second. I hope it's okay. I know I'm going longer than usual, but I have to do this. And I'm coming back to that story, but I'm trying to wake you up to see this. And the Lord spoke to me in the middle of the rioting that was happening in America. And yes, there is injustice everywhere. Let's just be real. We don't have a great nation's history, but we're on our way. But you have to understand... In our nation, I said, Lord, what is happening? Why is our cities burning like the 60s? And he said, it's Absalom. I said, Lord, what do you mean? Remember Absalom? His father was on the balcony of boredom, ignoring his family, lusting after Bathsheba, brings her in the house and rapes her. Then all of a sudden the prophet said, while you were out playing games, you need to know the sword has come to your house. Next thing you know, while dad was ignoring his family, what happened? Amnon, Absalom's son, rapes his sister Tamar. Or David, excuse me. Amnon, David's son, rapes his sister Tamar. Absalom watches it happen, hears about it. He's hurt by it, waits on dad to do nothing, but dad was too busy watching the game. Waits two years, dad does nothing about it, so he kills his brother. Has his, has his guys kill his brothers at a sheep share convention. Next thing you know, Absalom, who was beautiful in nature, spirit, and looks, leaves, runs for his life because now he's a fugitive. He goes and hides in Gesher, and the Bible says that finally David allows him to come home, and Absalom sits two more years, total of seven years, and the Bible says that he looks at his brother, Uncle Joab, the commander of the royal armies, and he says, look, Uncle Joab, if I don't go see my dad, I'm going to burn down the fields. In fact, he did burn down the fields, and then the Bible says that finally David sees him, kisses him, but it's too late. The Absalom spirit is now birthed. What is the Absalom spirit? It's a spirit of disloyalty. It's a spirit of offense. It's a spirit that says no one cares about me. So he went and sat at the city gates. And according to 2 Samuel chapter 15, the Bible says, And Absalom stole the hearts of the people. 
took David's kingdom from him. What is the Absalom spirit? It's the second spirit that is attacking our nation right now. It's a spirit that says, you know what? No one loves me. No one will give me an inheritance. Nobody thinks I'm important. So I'm just going to go burn the city down. This is just, I'm just telling you what I see. And we'll leave it up to the keyboard commandos to straighten me out. How do you destroy the Absalom spirit? You have to choke it out. The Bible says he was hung by his hair in a tree. You have to choke it out. You have to hang it by its glory. Because it's splitting churches across America and dividing households. The Absalom spirit just isn't in the house. And by the way, it was birthed because dad didn't do his job. And then the third spirit is the Simoni spirit. What is the Simoni spirit? That's what Rome calls it. But you have to understand the Simoni spirit is you'll find in Acts chapter 8. When God is moving powerfully in the new church, Simon says, hey, I want to buy that. Simon the sorcerer. It's a spirit that says, I can purchase whatever I want. I can buy an election. I can control the world through media. I can shut down voices. And you have to understand the only way is to rebuke it. Because Simon Peter said, yeah, I want that baptism Holy Spirit thing. He says, how do I get that? That's the coolest thing. That's like a cool trick. How do you do that? And Peter looked at him and said, to hell with you. Exact terms. Peter probably cussed because he's a fisherman. Hey, man, I'm just going to say it. But he didn't have the best language. But he literally said, back to hell with you and where that spirit came from. So why did I throw that at you? Because there's a war for your family. Do you understand 2 Thessalonians? Do not let anyone deceive you. For that day will come unto the, unto the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man of doom and destruction. I know I've gone long. I gotta wrap it up. But I've watched it come at my family. I've watched it over the last few months. I love Psalm chapter 12, verse through 7 through 8. And this is an incredible scripture. Lord, you will keep us forever safe, not out of the reach of the wicked, even though they strut. Or out of, the way, out of the reach of the wicked. Even though they strut and prowl, tolerating and celebrating what is worthless and vile, you will still lift up those who are yours. Yeah. Give God a praise. I've gone long. I know. you got to give me a... Who's, who will stay with me a few more moments? Because in a minute, we're going to break some stuff off your family. In a minute, we're going to say enough's enough. In a minute, we're going to literally... My hands have more oil on them right now. I'm going to shake your hand. You're like... Uh, my hand's like a girl's right now. So I'm just saying it. But God said, anoint your hands, because at the end of the service, I'm going to have you walk through the aisles, and you're going to begin to lay hands on people, and people are going to begin to feel the fire hit their bodies, so prepare yourself. But there's a war for your family, and it's at the front door, just like this widow woman, and you, what you have to understand, there's a battle coming at you. I'm reminded of back on June 3rd, when suddenly, well, she had been sick for a while, but my precious mother graduated to heaven. The first person that got saved in a bunch of drug dealers' family in Detroit. She started the revolution. Two weeks later was Father's Day. I was preaching for a good friend of mine in Mobile, Alabama. I came back to where we were staying at at the time on the beach. And I came back to the beach. And all of a sudden, I said to Karen, I'm going to take a nap. I, since I've taken my health back, I don't take naps. I said, but I'm exhausted. I need to take a nap. So I go and lay down. And instantly, I was standing in front of this house, this family home. And I see this beast in a dream with giant wings and I could tell it was an angel but it was a demonic angel because angels are fallen or demons are fallen angels 
So it's black and it's disgusting and it's snarling and its wings are high and, and its claws and he's ripping the roof off this house and I'm watching this happen in a dream. I don't have dreams like this. Karen has dreams like this. I have dreams that I forget to wear my pants when I get up to preach. I mean, I have stupid dreams. You know what I'm saying? Trust me, nobody will see that. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, all of a sudden in this dream, I'm standing in front of this house in a front yard and I'm watching this. It's like it doesn't see me. It's just tearing the roof off this house like this. And all of a sudden it reaches down and grabs this little boy. And he begins to fly away. And I start screaming, in the name of Jesus, let the boy go. He goes, I don't answer that name. I said, in the name of Jesus, let the child go. No, in the name of Jesus. And I'm running while it's carrying this little boy in his talons. Let the boy go. And he drops the boy. And I run and catch it. And I woke up. I wake up in a cold sweat. I said, Karen, I just had this crazy dream. Two hours later, I get a phone call. My precious brother who pastors Daystar Church, an incredible Holy Ghost multicultural church, is at his daughter's graduation party at a cabin uh, at the lake, high school graduation, and suddenly he's on the floor dead. His, his executive pastor's on the phone with me saying, Pastor Scott's dead, Pastor Scott's dead. And I begin to pray, and I fall on my knees in that condo where I was at, and I begin to scream, let go of the boy. Let go of the boy. I knew it was about my brother because he's my younger brother, so he'll always be a little boy to me. And I'm screaming, let go of the boy, let go of the boy. Next thing you know, after five minutes, they bring him back to life. We spent weeks praying. I was with him two days ago. He's still on his way being restored because he was without oxygen for five minutes. And his brain is starting to come together. And he said to me, night before last, we were together. He said, I just want to tell the nations he's real. And what you have to understand is there's a battle for your home and I've watched it happen over the last few months. The anointed are under attack. Has anybody been under attack? You feel like everything's coming at you. You fix one thing with duct tape and something else breaks. Your family, you pay one bill paid off and something. There's an attack at your front door. The enemy is there to collect. But I've come to tell you, there's something called the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. Are you getting this? We are allowing the next generation's identity to, to be stolen by the spirit of Antichrist whose number one goal is to talk them out of their spiritual birthright. And God says enough today. He said when you go to that house, you tell them I'm about to put an anointing on their front door that no demon in hell, no death angel can cross into. They can't have their marriage. Oh, you're not getting this. And what did the widow woman do? Stand with me. What did the widow woman do? She ran to the church. She ran to the prophet. And Elijah said to her, what do you have in your home? I know I'm, I'm acting like I'm done. I just want y'all to stretch. No, I really am coming to a close. You just stay with me for a couple minutes and I'll speed it up. Somebody come to the keys for me. Tell me what do you have in your house, Second Kings 4, verse 2. All I've got is a little oil. Uh -huh. 
The word oil, shemen, is anointing. It's the oil used to empower the work of God. It literally means that. So in other words, all, just real, real soft for me. All she had was what he used to anoint the prophets. Usually I have a horn up here. All she had in the house was her husband's anointing. It's Isaiah 10, 27, the anointing breaks the yoke. Can you hear this woman? She's tired. Her eyes are swollen. She's exhausted. They're taking her. And she says, all I have is the spirit of a giver. He gave it all. He fed and watered the prophets because they would have been killed by Jezebel. But when he died, he left me. All I have is the anointing to give. All I have in my home is a man's prayer life. May not leave my family a lot, but when something comes to knock on the door of Abby's kids or knock on the door of little Jack's kids someday and Pappy's in heaven or Andy's kids, there's going to be a whisper from the throne of glory that says, he already fought that. He already did war on October 25th, early in the morning in a hotel room to fight this, your late devil. That ring doorbell's already been put in place. And the Bible says, he tells her, take that oil, get the vessels. The oil is flowing. Everybody in this house, start walking towards the front. This is what God just said for me to do. But no, you skip some steps in the altar call. We're not used to this. I know. You are in this church. And Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for every jar. Now, this was a woman on a mission. Bang on every door. Spread, spread right through the rows if you have to. Second Kings 4, 3 through 5. Go around, ask all your neighbors. Take the oil. Can you see this mama? She's crazy. She done fought some hell. She hasn't been laying in bed at night thinking her boys are going to be taken from her, her social security, her protection, her seat. And she says, all right, listen up. I bet she went redneck. I mean, she went full on redneck. You get your tail and you go knock on every single door, boy. And bring me every vessel. She was on a mission. And the prophet said, then shut the door behind you. This is what I've come to tell you today. Shut the door. And the Bible says as she begins to pour the oil in one cup, it just keeps pouring 
and manifest to the next and manifest to the next where there's nothing but buckets of oil all over the house. Oil that's used for cooking. Oil that's used for heating. Oh, you ain't getting this yet. Oil that's used to survive and make it through the winter months. But the Bible says when she ran out of vessels, the word vessels there, pastor, is skous in the Hebrew, S-K-O-O-S. It literally means the same term used for human bodies. It says the oil stopped. Hold on. That's not a clap moment. We have gotten so good at propagating in the house of God, we don't go get new vessels anymore. Because we got our church friends and our world friends. And if they ever meet up, they might have some stories. But what would happen if something so possessed you, if you knew the rapture was going to happen in 30 days? How radical would you get? If you knew COVID 2021 was coming, how radical would you get? It's just the beginning. But see, the problem is we're having churches with no oil because we're not bringing in empty vessels. We're bringing in vessels in the church that are so filled up with garbage, nothing fits in. Because God is just the ribbon around a filthy vessel. And God is saying, if you'll empty yourself out, I'll relaunch the oil in your life and it'll begin to pour. I just saw this in the spirit, man. I saw a bucket over this house and I saw glistening oil beginning to pour on different people throughout this place. And God is saying, this is the day. This is the moment. Jesus, who emptied himself out on a cross so that we could experience the anointing. Jesus, who paid the price. And it is time when you get home today to shut the door. Tell those three demonic spirits I mentioned, they can't have your family. This is the day where we rise up and say, I've had enough. I've come on a mission. Hold on. We pray you were blessed by today's message. For more content and to get to know us better, download our app at AbundantLifeChurch.com.